I know just a little bit about music, but not much in the scheme of things. I know very little theory. But I don't know anything about chemistry and physics, sciences broadly. And sometimes I really wish I did. There are ideas that I really enjoy that I find fascinating about which I can understand the concept but can do nothing to prove or disprove. Um, And certainly I'm not in any position to help with things like this. So I'm left to enjoy the things that I like to ponder in my naivete. But one idea that seems to come up with some regularity in Unitarian Universalism and other places is the notion that we are made of the same stuff of the stars. Stardust, if you will. That ultimately everything has come from that which stirred the fire of the beginnings. As we said in an earlier reading, remnants of their fiery furnaces pulse through our veins. And the same building blocks that form the blazing sun and the stars also form water. Isn't that wild? I mean, that just kind of delights me. And not only that, but us too, you know. Everything in the universe made of a common core. We are part and parcel of the elements, earth, air, fire, and water. During our meditation, I was kind of imagining the fire that's a part of me. Because I'm a water sign, you know, that fire has struggled to come out, although it shows most often in inappropriate times. But somehow it seems easier to think about that sort of extrapolation. You know, you know, we have this much information, and so from that we go all the way back to the beginning of the universe because so many of us were there. But it's easier to, to do that when we think about that stuff out there somewhere. Maybe even just out there in a science lab, but not in here, being carried around. We are the same stuff as the oil. The water in the gulf, the pelicans the marshes, and those who planned the drilling. And it seems to me at some level we're also the same stuff as the platforms and the drilling apparatus. 
I understand that we've made and modified and fabricated and synthesized and all that, lots of things, so that they aren't what we would call naturally occurring. But we didn't make them from nothing. Because even when there's what we call nothing, it's full, right? So all of these things that we've generated that aren't naturally occurring still came from the same building blocks. So we're part of them also. Even the dispersants. Here we are, moving steadily in the same direction that we have been probably as long as we've been on the planet. And developing the things that we've developed that we now understand have such a tremendous impact on the beauty of this Mother Earth may have been part of our natural development. I mean, I think that argument could be made. Surely there are arguments, you know, that can go against that too. But can we turn this ship around? Can we turn the world around? I don't have the answer to that. Though ultimately I think we could. Einstein said we shall require substantially new manner of thinking if mankind is to survive. He didn't, however, say how quickly it would have to occur. We all know that large and significant changes in nature happen slowly. What would it take to change our nature as a species? A former Atomic Energy Commission chairperson reported that the first law against air pollution was put into place by King Edward I in 1300. Punishable by death. And there was at least one person who was sentenced and executed for air pollution. In 1300. Really slowed us down, didn't it? Quote, how long can men thrive between walls of brick, walking on asphalt pavements, breathing the fumes of coal and of oil, growing, working, dying with hardly a thought of wind and sky and fields of grain, seeing only machine-made beauty, the mineral-like quality of life? 
That those questions were posed in 1939 by Charles Lindbergh. We've been circling this drain. <laughs> if, if that's how we want to look at it. I know we don't want to look at it that way, if, if that's how we must look at it. Um, but we can't let knowing that and not knowing what's going to happen next stop us. We can't let it make us stuck in our tracks, frozen. Maybe your response to the oil spill has been one of sadness. Maybe it's been one of anger. Maybe it's been both. Maybe it's vacillated back and forth with that and frustration and, and, and confusion and, and helplessness and rage. But sadness can be either cathartic or paralyzing. Anger can be inspirational or necrotic. They can be both. We can move back and forth from those things and all kinds of the spectrum between one end and the other of that range. But in both cases, between what's productive and useful and what stops us or makes it destructive is a choice between loving, compassionate approach and a fearful approach. When something like the spill happens, even to those here in Louisiana who have no connection with the Gulf Coast or any people down there, it begins to feel personal, doesn't it? Uh, Mary Ann Cummings, one of our members, is in Alaska, and she's been reporting how the people in Alaska feel so much sympathy for us because they get it. Is it Prince William Sound? Where the Exxon Valdez spill was? It's not fully recovered, but it's coming back. She's been there and seen it, and it's, again, beautiful. Anyway, watching the damage and destruction day after day could get overwhelming, particularly if we keep the near-field view of it. There are plenty of parties to point at and blame and be angry with, even though in our ritual, we had to acknowledge that we are complicit in the process that sets all this up. And we came here in automobiles, 
Most of us probably left the air running, at least to some extent, in our homes while we're away. We're sitting here in an air-conditioned room that isn't, I would imagine, energy efficient. We have daily choices that could change the dynamics that are in play. And maybe some of us will make those hard choices and changes, but most of us will probably follow our nature. Keep trying to find what's better and, and, and maybe a shortcut. It's nice to know them, even if we don't use them all the time. It's nice to know that they're there or how to use a shortcut or where it might be. We'll hop in our cars and drive where we need to go. Instead of finding a job or creating one that's within a walking distance or biking distance from our homes, growing our own food or buying something that's from a local market, making our own clothes, growing our own fibers, for that matter, instead of buying things that are shipped all around the world. Most of us will continue to live our lives and feel either anxious about how we participate or work on becoming indifferent about it. And I don't think either of those are really necessary. I think we should change everything we can, everything we can bring ourselves to change. I think we should speak about things that we think need to be heard. We know what our roles are in that because it comes from inside us out. Henry David Thoreau in Walden wrote, it appears to be the law, a law that you cannot have deep sympathy for both man and nature. But I think we can if we remember our deep connection. Now, I don't usually do stuff like this. Um, In some circles, if we closed our eyes, we might call it a guided meditation. But I'm I'm just going to invite us to imagine. And you can leave your eyes open. Pretend, if you will. But I want us to start out thinking about our awareness. All of the things that are in your Knowledge about history, about dinosaurs, tectonic plates, the Big Bang. And then imagine that that awareness is actually a pool. And that pool is oil. You're the oil. You're in the earth. 
and you move up out of the earth. Now you're part of the Gulf of Mexico. As you feel that, now, now let your thinking shift. You're a bird. You're flying free and part of your life, something that you do every day, you're about to do. You, you dive into the water for dinner. And as you come up, your wings don't work. It's hard to breathe. You struggle and make it to shore. But now we move back one more step. And you're yourself watching that on the television. Now you're the thoughts that fill your mind away from the television. And your thoughts float out. And you see from above the whole Gulf of Mexico. And you back out farther and you see the planet. And we keep going and we see the moon and then the sun and we back farther out and we can see the whole solar system and even farther we can see the galaxy. In that galaxy the earth is a, isn't even a dot we can see. We back out farther and we see myriads of galaxies. And we back out so far that those galaxies are dots. Imagine that those galaxies, those little dots, are cells in an organism. It can be anything. Well, let's say it's a newborn of whatever, whether it's a bird or a person or a a plant when we back out and let the macrocosm and the microcosm overlap in our minds we begin to see
that it doesn't have to be overwhelming, even though it, it does have to be important. plants grow up, the animals grow up, the babies grow up, and at some point they feed the system again. And given enough millennia, that awareness is back in the oil. I'm not saying this is literal. But I am saying there is a lot we don't know. There's a lot we can't know. There's a lot we do know. And what we have to do is come to grips with both of those things. There's a quote that I'm really fond of from the movie Contact. Uh, I'd like to share it with you. It comes from a character who's been an atheist all her life, um, but has an experience that defies all of her previous understanding. And when brought before a panel to be questioned about an experience that she's had, This is what she says. I had an experience. I can't prove it. I can't just explain it. But everything I know as a human being, everything that I am tells me that it was real. I was given something wonderful, something that changed me forever, a vision of the universe that tells us undeniably how tiny and insignificant and how rare and how precious We all are. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us is alone. I wish I could share that emotion, that everyone, if even for one moment, could feel that awe and humility and that hope that I feel. That continues to be my wish. There's something that moves through life that we can't define. And we can't locate it. And we can't explain it away. I'm a believer in the, what, is it first law of thermodynamics? Energy can't be destroyed, it only changes forms. That's about as far as I go. All of the things that are happening will be changing forms. We will be changing forms. We do what we can. We try to do it in a productive way rather than a destructive way. 
and we move on to turn the world around.